Hi, everyone. I'm Sheriff Scott Rose, and this is a special edition of the Officer Down Memorial Podcast. In this episode, I get the opportunity to sit down and talk with Wayne Mulder. He's the host of On the Blue Line at onthebluelineline.com. Now, this show's about life. It's about life outside the badge and the uniform, the life that the way he explains it, it's the life that you were meant to live and the life that has been calling you from somewhere beyond the day-to-day rat race. It's a super interesting format with veteran law enforcement officer, teacher, and businessman. Great guy. It's with Wayne Mulder. So i uh, glad you could join us today. Also, just wanted to let you know that there are several stories in the works right now, including two fallen heroes in southeast Minnesota, one from the Olmsted County Sheriff's Office, and then one from the Rochester Police Department. We also have a survivor story in the works from the state of Arizona, as well as the officer down by suicide story coming up that will hopefully touch some hearts about suicide awareness, about warning signs, and making sure your officer is getting the help that he or she needs. A big thank you to everyone who supported these fallen officers and their families. It really means the world to them that we never forget the sacrifices made by their fallen loved ones. Also, remember to follow us on social media. Subscribe if you have a favorite app. And if you listen on Apple, please take a minute to rate the podcast and review it. Now, the more subscribers and the more reviews we get, the more people will be able to continue to share these amazing stories of these heroes with. So, again, thanks for your support on the project, and let's get to it. Here's my interview with Wayne Mulder from On the Blue Line. This week on the On the Blue Line podcast, Sheriff Scott Rose. Welcome to the On the Blue Line podcast with Wayne Mulder. I am your host, Wayne Mulder. I'm so thankful to be back with you yet again. If this is the first time that you are finding this podcast and you're like, what is On the Blue Line? What is, what is this? Is this a hockey podcast? Yes, I get that and I don't, I don't get it, but I do hear that. So I am your host, Wayne Mulder, and that reference is in reference to law enforcement the thin blue line. And so this is not a law enforcement only podcast, but it's a podcast that was built out of the fact that I have law enforcement experience and kind of a lens at living life. And the fact that I saw the need for law enforcement officers to pursue what I call total wellness in all areas of their life, not just a focus on mental health, not just a focus on physical health or spiritual health, but a focus on total health. And that is what I'm all about, and that's what this podcast is all about. So how do I fulfill that mission? Well, I bring to you interesting guests from all different types of walks of life, some who are in law enforcement, some who've had nothing to do with law enforcement, military, veterans, all sorts of people who are making a difference in their lives and in the lives of others, and who have either figured something out Or they just have some great advice and some experiences and something that they have seen or learned along the journey. And that's really what this is all about, right? It's community and it's about being on the same journey together. I am no better, no different, same struggles, everything else that you go through. The only differences is that I like to tell the stories of the journey we're on together. So this week's guest is Sheriff Scott Rose. I tell you, I have been made aware of his podcast. It's called Officer Down Memorial Podcast. And I know what you're thinking. There are a lot of podcasts out there. There absolutely are. But you have not heard a podcast like this one. This podcast is a it, it is a highly produced, scripted, 
podcast, Think the True Crime series. And what it is, is it specifically tells the stories of fallen officers and their surviving family. And I had the opportunity to listen to one of them completely before I sat down for this interview. And I'm telling you, you will not want to stop listening to it. Now, I say that with an asterisk because you will want to, you're going to get mad. You're going to have moments that if you're in law enforcement, it's going to take you back to scenes. But essentially, by compiling together the data, the information, the dispatch calls, interviews with people on scenes, he pieces together radio theater that really is amazing and tells the story of these heroes. So Sheriff Scott Rose is um, currently the sheriff in Dodge County, Minnesota, and he does this as kind of an act of love and opportunity to tell the stories of these heroes who have given the ultimate sacrifice uh, for those of us and for their communities. So you're, you're really going to enjoy this. I hope that you listen to this entire uh, podcast. We get into uh, what he has going on, what he sees for the future. And then at the end, he offers some really great advice just on leadership in general and how leadership should see mental health when we talk about law enforcement officers. So Again, a great episode, and I hope that you stay through to the end. Real quick, I don't want to take too much more time, but if you um, have not told somebody about this podcast and you are enjoying it, please do. That is the best way to support what we have going on here is to tell someone else, tell five someone else's every week, and you have no idea what a big help that is to us. If you want any more information on the apparel or Uh, any of the other projects or anything that we have going on, be sure to check us out at onthebluelining.com. Again, onthebluelining.com. It's been kind of a long intro. I don't want to take any more time. So this week, my guest, Sheriff Scott Rose. Well, Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Wayne. Absolutely. I'm really looking forward to this. I've uh, had the privilege of kind of listening to some of your work, which we'll get into a little bit later, but yeah, I'm definitely absolutely. looking forward to this. Uh, so I like to start whenever I have a guest on the show, just kind of with some get to know you type questions. They start simple yeah. and they kind of build out from there. So sounds me, good. Let me start with coffee or tea. Coffee. Okay. Any particular type of coffee? Dark and strong. There you go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> always been a coffee drinker always well no, no no no. i guess not always when i was younger i was a diet pepsi drinker okay and then i got smart and switched to coffee and and uh i love coffee so yeah i'm, I'm a hard coffee drinker you would think in this career in military usually the answer would always be coffee but the reason oh, yeah. i keep asking the question is because it's not i'll get i only drink tea or i only drink lemonade or you never know what oh I really so, well, and now they have all these energy drinks and Red Bull and all this other, you know, back in the day, we didn't have any of that. It was coffee or pop. Exactly. And that's you know. where, and, and I love the Midwest uh, calling it pop. So that's it's good. a pop. It's a pop or so I usually call it a pop, but coffee gives a much better bump. So I'll stick with coffee. <laughs> well, being in Florida, I've picked up saying soda, but I'm from Indiana originally. So it's all oh, gotcha. my whole life. Right. So. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Then they probably look at you funny there. Uh, they do. But, you know, yep. like, what's you a want pop? a pop? Really? What's a pop? Exactly. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> so do you have a favorite place to have that drink of coffee? A place that brings you kind of peace and rest, just where you like to take a minute and enjoy it? 
Oh, it doesn't even matter. I have a specific cup. Good. But not a specific place. I've got a Yeti cup that I've had forever. It's got a blue line flag on it. And uh, um, it's got a, the logo of one of the bands. I play bass guitar in a band. So it's that logo's on it. And uh, um, yeah, I don't really care where I'm at. I just love drinking it. I love it. Yeah. Do, do you have a best or worst travel story? Oh, I do a lot of traveling. Um, a best or worst? What that stands out to you? Australia. Okay. My wife's from Australia. So we went, uh, I finally got to go see her hometown and where she grew up back in 2013. Oh, wow. Uh, it was an incredible, incredible trip. Um, I totally want to go back again. So um, definitely, definitely that was a high point for me for travel. That's awesome. So last of these type questions, do you have a favorite nonfiction book, favorite or meaningful nonfiction book? Oh, nonfiction. Um, no, to be honest, not, I've never been a, I've never been a big book guy. Okay. Other than work related stuff. But it sounds uh, like you've been a big music guy. I've always been a big music guy. Okay. Oh, nonfiction. Yeah, I got nothing. I'm always, if I'm not working, it's music. Okay. So what kind so, of music? Oh my gosh. A little bit of everything. Um, I grew up on classic rock. Okay. And, uh, um, and the bands that I played in when I was younger were, were all classic rock bands. I've got, there's a band that I play in now uh, with JT and the Gunslingers and they're a Southern rock band. They do a whiskey Meyer, Blackberry smoke, Leonard Skinnerd. Um, so a lot of, a lot of underground, uh, uh, outlaw country, I guess you call it, Okay. Um, which is a lot of fun. And then I'm in a sheriff's band. It's the only all sheriff's band in the United States. That's pretty cool. With five sheriffs. And, uh, that one's more of a covers band. We do benefits. We travel for benefits with that one. And, uh, so there you, you hear everything from country to, to, you know, to eighties, seventies, sixties, um, but I, I have a, I love all kinds of music. So we've, I've kind of played a little bit of everything. So this all sheriff's band, is it based out of Minnesota then, or is yeah, it based out of Minnesota. different states or no, all Minnesota, all different parts of the state of Minnesota. And so there's five of us and we were trying to figure out a, a name for the band. Okay. And you know, you, you talk about admin being the brass, <laughs> right? And, uh, we, we named our band the brass holes. <laughs> I love it. And the first time we played for the Minnesota Sheriff's Association uh, Winter Conference, they didn't feel comfortable putting brass holes in their f flyer. Really? Until they saw us, and they're like, you know, that name fits. <laughs> I, th I think we'll use that next time. And ever since then, we've been the brass holes. So. I love it. That is yeah. great. <laughs> it's, it's been a lot of fun. So. so, obviously, you had a life, did a lot yep. of things before law enforcement. Where did your journey kind of begin? Well, um, of course, like I mentioned, when I was young, I played in bands. I've always played bass guitar. Well, did and, that start um, in high school for you? Or high school, that? yep. In high school, yep, yep. Um, when my friends were out playing high school sports, baseball, football, basketball, whatever, I was playing bar circuits. Okay. Um, loved it. Always played classic rock stuff back then. Did you grow uh, up in the Minnesota area then? Yep, grew up in southeast Minnesota. I work, actually, I'm sheriff in the county that I grew up in. Oh, okay. Wow. Um, which is, I, I moved away for a while and then came back and raised my kids here. And, but I, I actually went right after high school, I went to broadcasting school in Phoenix. 
Okay. Um, so in, in 87 and 88, I did, I did broadcasting school and, um, I worked for radio stations in Nebraska, Kansas, back to Nebraska. And then, and then came here in Minnesota, uh, worked for uh, laser one one in Rochester, a uh, great radio station. I worked for a bunch of great companies. Yeah. Um, always, always as a production director, production has kind of been my forte. So, um, that was always my specialty. And then, uh, yeah, I ended up getting into law enforcement. That's a long story. My dad was a cop. My dad was a deputy here. Um, right. and, uh, and I, I, that was a second, it was a second career for me. I ended up going back to school when I was uh, 30, 31. And, um, and I've got 20, I've been in since 90s, I've worked, been, uh, been on the road since 97. So, Oh, wow. So what was the, what brought you to Phoenix then? just wanted to they had it a great um, yeah. and you so, laugh so i gotta hear this yeah so keep in mind i was a cop's kid and a teacher's kid uh yeah Lord so God. i was always in trouble and i always my parents mike it got to the point where my parents were never surprised about anything i would do or anything i would get in trouble doing after high school i was working as a carpet layer um for a contractor with the state capitol I didn't know what I wanted to do for school. You know, I never really paid much. I never, school was kind of a social experiment for me in high school. I really didn't pay much attention, frankly. Um, and then uh, I got laid off as a carpet layer. I, I graduated in June. In July, I got laid off. And I had a friend of mine who moved down to Phoenix when the Mayo Clinic opened up down there uh, because most of the initial employees down there were transfers from Rochester. So I knew a ton of people that had moved down there. And um, my buddy's parents said, if you're not doing anything, if you'll help him, he, he bought a car up here. We're gonna, he's going to come back. He's going to drive the car back down. If you help him drive the car down, we'll fly you back. I thought, I'm not working. And I'd never been anywhere. I was a cop's kid, a teacher's kid. You know, we didn't have any money, so we never did any real traveling. I'd never been to the West Coast or, or uh, Southwest. So I thought, hell yeah, I'm gonna, I'll am going. i go to Arizona. Yeah. So I helped, I helped Sean and uh, Ben drive the car to Arizona. And uh, my parents were expecting me to be back in a week. So they were expecting me to be back the next Saturday. And uh, I found this broadcasting school and I thought, this is it. I, I'm a music guy. I need to be in. I, radio is my thing. Let's do it. So I signed up for school. On Saturday, when I was supposed to fly home, I called my home, my dad, just classic humor for my dad. I called my dad. Or dad answers the phone. I call him. I said, dad says, yellow. And I said, hey, dad, this is Scott. He says, so, so you at the airport yet? Like, no, not yet. Well, when are you going to be there? I said, uh, hopefully, maybe, maybe in October. And and classic, classic Bob Rose, classic my dad. I'll let you talk to your mother. And he hands the phone to mom. And then, of course, mom freaks out because my car is in front of the house. All my stuff is there. I took enough clothes for a week and I didn't come back. I, I stayed there. I went to broadcasting school um, and ended up working for radio stations and uh, um, you know, started doing some work in, in uh, Arizona, then went to Nebraska. And Kansas, then back to Nebraska, then back here. And, uh, but I, my parents know, I, I got, it got to the point where nothing ever surprised them. Other than when, when my dad, when I, when I told my dad I was going to be in broadcasting and I was going to, I was going to go to radio school, he finally, he was like, son, I, you, yeah, this is the perfect, this is the perfect career for you. Yeah. Well, I'm like, thanks, dad. What, why do you say that? Cause I'm thinking it's cause I have a decent voice or I'm well spoken or he's like, cause son, you have the, you, you have the perfect face for radio. <laughs> like, dad, thank you. I, whatever. And then, so then ten, fast forward 10 years and I tell him, dad, I'm going to go back to school to be a cop. And he's like, what? 
<laughs> right? You you are the last Rose kid I ever thought would be a cop. And I said, well, I mean, if you remember in high school, I spent a lot of time in the back seat. Now, now I get to sit in the front seat. There's a lot more legroom. I'm 6'3", so I'm kind of a tall guy. And I said, and, and they let me drive. So, Dad, I've come full circle. And he's just like, oh, my God, not knowing where this is going to go. And, and uh, uh, yeah, I started in law enforcement uh, back then. He was just about ready to retire, and he retired. And, um, and I just kind of worked my way up from there. So, Wow. What was the switch for you personally? What was the desire to switch from production, audio production, to going into being law enforcement? So I got involved in the sheriff's posse, which is a volunteer. Back then, it was a mounted posse, so they were on horseback. Um, my wife and I had always had horses, and um, my dad suggested it as a, a, a way for where I could kind of get involved in the sheriff's office. But I'm in regards to horses, um, you know, they did parades, they did security affairs, and and the rodeo and stuff like that. And and I thought, well, that'd be kind of fun. I I do, I I never done anything like that before, and I got started on the posse. And one of the things you had to do as a posse member was one ride along a month with patrol. And I started doing ride alongs and I got hooked. Yeah. I was just, I loved it. I love the, I love the night work. I love the camaraderie. I love the, um, you know, I love the aspect of help of helping people. It was, it was, it's a community that I grew up in and, um, I just loved it. And, uh, yeah, so I ended up going back to school and switching gears and, and, uh, and here I am. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's through, cool. Through your career, was it the typical path of sometime on now? This was in it's Dodge County, correct? Is yep. That, yep. Dodge so County. Is that a smaller county up there? It seems to be a pretty rural county, from what I. It's was a thinking. rural county. We're a bedroom community of Rochester. Okay. In southeast Minnesota, so we're twenty twenty two thousand, uh, about four hundred and forty square miles. So we're a rural bedroom community of Rochester, um, and. Uh, so did you guys typical. start in kind of the jail there, and then move up through? We don't have a jail. Oh, okay. Which is fantastic, by the way. Being the sheriff, I'm sure it is. <laughs> uh, the, we, I go to the sheriff's conferences and the the, um, the the exhibit booths. And after six years of being sheriff, they're all like, yeah, 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 we know we don't have a jail. Because half of the vendors at our sheriff's conferences are all jail related. Right. And, uh, and I remind them every time I can that I don't have one. And kind of rub it in a little bit. And our District 6 meetings for our Southeast Sheriffs, we have 13 counties in Southeast Minnesota. And... Uh, Anytime they start talking sheriffs in our monthly meetings, I go get them coffee or I'll go get donuts or something like that, you know, because it's really not my thing. I don't have to worry about it. We've never had a jail. We're one of, I think, six counties left in the state um, that doesn't have a jail. So here, when you start here, typically you'd start part-time patrol. Okay. Um, and then uh, and then that would give the agency an opportunity to see you work with their crew and to see you work with their supervisors and to see if it's a good fit for them to you know, to move into full time when, you know, when a position opens up. So you go from patrol to, or from uh, part-time to patrol because we're a small agency, there's not a lot of turnover. There's not a lot of, you know, movement or positions. So we have lateral assignments, whether it's uh, um, entry team warrants, uh, crime prevention, um, school resource officer, you know, we've, we've got different lateral move, movements like that. And then, and then you can work your way up from there to uh, if if you're on the patrol side, sergeants. If you're on the, the investigative side, patrol and sergeant or investigators and sergeants here are the same rank. Oh, they interesting. Just, they just 
um, are in charge of different areas. Um, and then you've got the captains that run those, you know, those respective uh, departments within the office and then, and then the chief deputy and the sheriff. So now do you guys have a path that's straight through um, the patrol side or the investigative side? So in other words, can you move up um, corporal sergeant within the, that, or do you always have to crisscross? So in other words, when you, you get don't have to crisscross. Okay. Yep. No. Um, and they're not, and we don't, we don't rotate positions. Interesting. So if you, if you get promoted in investigations, you're there as long as you either want to be, or as long as you're either, you know, productive and doing the job you're supposed to be doing. Right. Which, which we've never had an issue. We've got, we've got such a great staff and a great crew. Um, it's like, it's like a big family there. I just, uh, I love our staff. I love our people. Um, awesome. And we work in a community that loves law enforcement. We work, we work in a community that's super conservative and, and, uh, and so supportive of our, of our staff. So it's, I just, I love it. I love this community. I love the people. Isn't that a blessing? Oh my I mean, God. When we see what's so going nice. on around this world, it's a blessing. Well, especially, especially in Minnesota. I mean, obviously we've had our issues. Right. Um, but it's, and, and, and the sheriffs in greater Minnesota are always working harder to, to, to share stories and remind people that, that, um, you, you know, the, the officers that are, that are getting that attention, they're, they're the minority. You know, they're the they're by far the minority in in a, in a in a career field where you get so many men and women who are just really amazing people. So, um, yeah, I love it. I love I love the career. That's it's awesome. Really, yeah. So how many years have you been the sheriff? I am this will be six years now. I'm midway through my next next year's election year. So I'm midway through my second term. OK, wow. So, yeah. And what's, what's nice about Minnesota, too. It's one of the few states that uh, uh, we have 87 sheriffs, 87 counties, and it's a nonpartisan election. So we don't we don't really? run on a party. That's um, nice. Which is awesome. I don't I don't know that I would have done it any other way. Um, I don't I don't think there there's no room for politics and law enforcement. Yeah. And if once you once you run on a party platform, how are you not at somewhat at some point? How do you not feel at some point that you're obligated? you know, to their platform or to their agenda or whatever. And as a nonpartisan, I'm not, I'm just, I'm going to support, you know, the politicians that support law enforcement. Doesn't matter what side they're on. Absolutely. You know, so yeah, I like it. It's great. That's wonderful. Was, did, yeah. was that kind of in your career path when you came back to Minnesota? Were you thinking that you were going to move up and stay? Like, were you thinking I'm going to stay here, become sheriff if I have that opportunity presented to me? Like, was that what you were thinking or was well, it remember, just... Remember when I moved to Minnesota, I, I moved here as a production director for Laser 101.7. Right. And the last thing I thought was I'd be a cop. <laughs> I never, ever, ever considered being a cop. Yeah. I wasn't I wasn't one of those kids that wanted to be a cop my whole life. You know, I I was everything for me revolved around music. Um so no, I, I had no no intentions. I had never even considered it until I got in the posse and, and did some ride alongs and and then it's like, man, I, I like this. It's just something different, you know? Okay. Oh. So at some point you decide to start a podcast, the officer down Memorial podcast. How long has yes. that been going? I started working on that in November. Okay. Um, odd, oddly enough with that, uh, prior to that, I had never listened to podcasts. I still thought they were new. My kids say that means I'm old. Well, 
I know. Look in the mirror. I get it. Um, so, so with COVID, I, I have a studio at home. I've got a production studio at home. I've had one here for. I I put it in. I think in two thousand six or two thousand seven. Okay. So I've been doing production and voiceover work for a long time here. Um, just never done any podcast stuff. When I listen to Spotify or or iHeart or or uh, Amazon or anything like that. I always listen to music. I never listen to, I didn't listen to, I, listen, I like talk radio. So I always listen to, for me, I typically listen to conservative talk radio. Right. Um, and I get my fill that way. So I never, I just never did the podcast thing. And, and I was very much the same. I yeah. had to learn all about podcasts when I started two years ago. So yeah, yeah I didn't have a clue. And um, so with COVID, everything slowed down. I didn't, didn't have a lot of voiceover work that I was doing at all during COVID because everybody, I did a lot of promotional stuff and, course everything shut down in 2020 and so i'm on the board for the minnesota law enforcement memorial association i'm also on the board for the uh law enforcement memorial foundation of southeast minnesota and um being on the board and working with survivor families um i got to thinking with the studio i'm like what how is there something i could do to help tell the stories of these fallen officers you know, if you look at the, if you look at Minnesota, every, every state's got their own law enforcement memorial website yeah. and you've got ODMP and you've got the national page or national site. Um, but on, the, on there, you get a paragraph, you know, you get three, four sentences, five sentences that, to, to explain, you know, to, to, to allow you to get to know that officer. And it doesn't tell you much, right. um, you know, and, and having worked with these survivors, the survivor families and, and knowing some of their incredible stories. I thought there's so much more of these stories. There's so much more to be told. And my idea was, I, I had an idea for, I, I thought I'll put together an idea. I, I had an idea in my head on, on, on how I wanted to format something and how I thought it would, it would grab the listener's attention. So I put it together. The first one I did was um, the Matthew Hamilton story. He was the first Law enforcement, line of duty, death in Minnesota from uh, Winona Police Department back in 1874. Oh, wow. So in 1874, there's no police reports. There's no radio traffic. There's no, you know, there's no records. Right. So I used um, historical documents, newspaper, microfiche, um, Ancestry.com. Um, I used those resources to, to learn the story and recreate the story of Matthew Hamilton in the city of Winona. And that one's a short one. And from 1874, there's not a lot of information on it. So I think it's like 10 minutes long. Um, but I put it together in a format that I thought would be interesting for people. I love history. So it's very- I was very, gonna ask you if you've always been a history buff. I, I love history. It's, so it's very history driven. So I, I did the format and I had my kids listen to it. Well, my oldest kid is a state trooper in Colorado. He's been a cop there for 10 years. My middle kid's in entertainment in LA, works on TVs and movies and whatever. Um, my youngest kid works in military intelligence with the army. Wow. And um, I had all three of them listen to it. And all three of them are like, "Dad, this is great. What, what podcast? This is totally like the true, true, true crime podcast that we always listen to. I'm like, what, what do you mean true crime podcast? And they're like, dad, what, what podcast do you listen to? I'm like, I don't, I don't listen to any podcasts. They're like, dad, you're old. I know, but I don't listen to them. I thought they were new. They're like, they've been around forever. I'm like, whatever. Yeah, um, not the point kids. Right. Yeah. The point is, what do you think of the format? <laughs> they were like, they were like, we love it. Don't change a thing, which I didn't. So seven, I think 
we've told 17 stories. So 17 stories in the format's exactly the same as the beginning. Um, and, uh, it's been super cool. I, I, you know, one of my favorite parts is working with the survivor families because there've been so many unintended benefits that they've seen from being involved in the podcast that none of us ever saw coming. Wow. Um, just giving them another vehicle or another means to, for the survivor families, their biggest fear is we're going to forget about their fallen officer. We're going to forget about the service and the sacrifice of their husband or their wife or their dad or their grandpa or whatever. And, um, you know, when I talk to these survivor families, they'll tell you, and I've worked with them at funerals and they'll tell you, you know, it's so overwhelming when you, when you lose a loved one who's an officer, um, because it's, you've got, all this attention from the state and, and, and representatives and, and local law enforcement and the, the community and family. And then there's the funeral, the funerals, you know, these are, these are, the funerals are huge um, in Minnesota anyway um, yeah. for law enforcement. And, and then, and then you've got a couple weeks, two or three weeks where people are bringing over food and they're checking on you. And they said, but then things slow down. Then things start to get quiet. Then for a lot of officers, which is natural when you are involved in a tragedy like this, it's natural to start shying away going, I, now I don't know. Now it's awkward. Yeah. You know, I don't know. What, what do I say? Do I, if I say something about John, the fallen officer, is it going to, you know, spark emotions? Is it going to be, is it going to be re-victimizing? Is it going to, you know, how are they going to react to it? So what we do instead of, instead of talking about it is we stop showing up we stop calling you know in in the united states we're great at bearing our our, our phone we've really done a good job at that frankly we suck at supporting our survivor families yeah um and and a lot of us are a lot of agencies and a lot of uh, associations around the united states are working really hard to get better at that um because these survivor families are still there they're still they're still dealing with us over and over again and, uh, the, you know, for them, for them, that sacrifice never ends. Right. And they just want their story to be told. They want, they don't want people to forget what happened. And what a lot of them are finding with the podcast because of the way I put them together. So when I do, uh, when I do a podcast, that's more current where I've got data, right. I'm going to pull, I'm going to pull every police report that's available either with a state or with that local agency. I'm going to pull all, all, uh, evidence files. I'm going to pull all pictures. Uh, I'm going to pull all media. I'm going to get all the data I can and, and, and lay out a, an outline in a format for this story. So it's as factual as possible. Then I'm going to look at the officers who are involved and find out who's still here, who's still here that could help me tell the story as well as with the survivor families who's still here that would be willing to help me tell the story. And then, and then, and then I, and then I, and then I lay it out that way. So it's, it's super factual. and, And, one of the most common things that our survivor families are telling us is I have not had one survivor family that hasn't told me they learned stuff about their fallen officer. They never knew before, Wow! but it's natural because at that time, they're not going to read police reports. They're not going to want to look at pictures. You know, they're trying to figure out how are they going to deal with this grief? You know, they're trying to figure out their process. And um, so even, even the ones that, I've done stories for families who uh, who have been uh, so involved in state, regional, and national law enforcement memorial organizations and survivor organizations, cops organizations, 
um, who didn't know, who learned stuff that they never knew about their husband or their dad or their grandfather. Um, and that's cool because it, it, it helps them through that grieving process. You know, I've had families that say, <clears throat> I've, I, this helped, this helped me through a step that I didn't even know I hadn't gotten through yet. Wow. Um, as far as the grieving, this gives me the ability to share the story with the younger generation of our family to show them that, Hey, grandpa was a hero or great grandpa was a hero. And here's the real story. This is what happened. It's real. It's raw. You can listen to it. Um, you know, they're not a, they're not an interview style podcast. They're more of a, you know, think of, think of Bill Curtis with cold, cold case files. Yeah. Um, it's that kind of a storytelling, highly produced format. And, uh, you know, they're proud of it. They want to share it. And it's just, ah, it's just so cool. It's, uh, it's, I just, I love doing it. I love working with the survivor families and it's, uh, it's been the most rewarding, certainly the most rewarding, uh, uh, production uh, project I've ever been involved in. So, well, Scott, they are absolutely fantastic. I've so far only listened to the Sean Snyder one. Um, I oh. will be listening to all of them. Awesome. Thank My you. My goodness. They are Thank absolutely you. fantastic. In fact, when you had reached out to me and I had the opportunity to listen to it, I was like, I've got to have you on because I want oh, everybody to know about this. And, and I'll get to that a little bit more in a second. Yeah. But so, how yeah. just because I do this little podcast and it's an interview style format, which is much easier. I cannot even imagine the amount of time that now granted that's your expertise and you're clearly a right. subject matter expert, but still yeah. how much time are you putting into a single episode on average? Do you have any idea? Well, so I'm working on a story uh, coming up in a week it, it is my first survivor story. So it's my first officer down survivor. That'll be good. Um, which is going to be, it's a cool story. I mean, it's a sad story, but it's a, it's a, it's a really interesting story. It was a, an officer that was shot uh, and wounded up in uh, Anoka County, Minnesota. Uh, super interesting story. So, but a lot of data. I mean, there's, I've got um, telephone traffic. I've got radio traffic. I've got, you know, people who were there that worked with them. I've got family. So it's going to be a really, really involved story. Um, it happened in 2003. And I just looked, I was kind of trying to figure out numbers today. So I'm, I just finished the basic outline script today that I'm basing my questions for these uh, subjects that I'm interviewing it off of. And I've got about 20 hours into to the research wow. and the writing. Um, I'll have. This one will probably be about I'm guessing 50 to 60 hours total, okay. and it'll probably be an hour long podcast. Yeah. So it's the, it's it's kind of ended up it's working out to be about an hour of finished a minute from start to finish wow um well, so yeah i can just imagine piecing time. together those interviews and the dispatch yeah. traffic and everything yeah the time that has to take do you actually script it all out then in the I, I do everything yep wow. i do everything um yeah it's it's a it's a long process but it's i i love you know i i like i like storytelling and i love history and um and i love these families they're they're just such amazing people and of course cops you know cops are are the most under the most misunderstood amazing people ever um and uh so these stories great ones out there oh these are powerful stories and so i and i'm my own i create my own problems because being an audiophile and, and an audio production guy right I am so picky about the sound. 
I'm sure. Oh, I, 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 I run that sound over and over and over again to tweak everything and make sure all the levels are right. I mean, if you listen to, um, we, we really encourage listeners to make sure you've got good earbuds or headphones or speakers because the, the, the stereo, the sound quality, um, it's, it really, it's captivating. It puts you there. And uh, it's cool. So it does. In fact, that was a question I was going to ask is what kind of feedback you're getting from some officers. I'll be honest with you during. So I absolutely love it. And I want yep. everyone that's listening to the show to um, check it out. In fact, there's going to be a link in the show page. But um, when specifically the Sean Snyder story, it's so real. And you take uh, the listener into that moment. So even when and I don't want to give too much away because I want everyone to listen to it. But even when you're talking the minutes around the house and the yep. partner is there and the internal dialogue that he's having and what he's saying oh. and seeing and observing. First of all, I was crying like a baby. Yep, Second of all, it, I had to stop listening to it for a little bit just because of, I was it's so frustrated there. with dispatch and radios because we yep. all get so pissed off at radios and have yep. had yep. these issues. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I had to take a break, be honest yep. with you. So I, yep. I don't know what kind of feedback and so forth you've been getting, but. So lots of tears. Yeah. Um, a lot of officers who I've had officers that have canceled on me three, four or five times before they finally been able to talk to me. Yeah. Um, officers who, um, who the, there are stories on there where officers break down uh, because it's still so, so fresh. And even um, the Robert, Robert, uh, Robert Lawson story is the longest podcast on there. It's, it's about 90 minutes. And, um, but man, I shared a lot of tears with those cops and those guys are in their you know, late sixties, seventies. I think the oldest cop is in his early eighties wow. and um, a lot of tears, a lot of emotion. So on the Sean Schneider one, his partner, Kevin, he still never listened to the story. Oh, he hasn't. He, you know, he was a, obviously he was an integral part of, of telling that story. Yeah. Um, but he, hasn't, he, he hasn't been able to listen to it. When he talks at the end and talks about going to the school, but my goodness i just bawled so so that was the other thing too when i when i started doing these my wife um i love production i love going to the production studio i get lost in it and time is kind of i lose time and you know she stopped me in the beginning when i started doing these and said that she knew when i was getting to the point where i was getting to where that officer died because i would start getting um, irritable. I would start getting short. I would get snappy. I would, my, my attitude or my mood changed. And I didn't even, I didn't realize it until she pointed it out. And it's like, yeah, you're right. She goes, you just, you gotta know when to get up and take a break. Yeah. Um, so I make it a point to do that now, uh, because I shed a tear in every one of these. Um, and every one of these, there's some point in that story where I got to get up and walk out and take a walk. Um, because as a cop, so for me, I think of my dad was a cop. So I think of, you know, what would have, what would have, I, I put myself in the position of the son seeing their dad go through this. I'm a cop. So I think about, I put myself in that position. My oldest kid's a cop, you know? So I think about what if this story was my, my this could be my son in this story. Yeah. And uh, it's raw. The stories are raw and real. And, and uh, some family have been able to listen to it. Um, some haven't the the John Schneider story is another really raw story that um, 
his kids haven't been able to listen to it yet. They were super supportive of it. And that's one that we used for a parole hearing for them. And, and uh, we were able to get uh, parole denied for the, their cop killer, the guy that killed uh, their dad. And, um, so there's a page, there's a page on that on the website too, about, uh, about no parole for cop killers. I and, saw that. Yeah. Um, that was super successful. And um, we've done two of those, one for the Lawson family and then one for the John Schneider family and uh, you know, super rewarding there too. And um, but yeah, this is, I mean, the, a lot of these, these parole cases are cases back in the eighties and there's still cases where their kids can't talk about. Yeah. Um, this is just a, a step for them though, to be able to share what, what they can't get out in words to their family and to the younger generation. So that story is never forgotten. So, you know, so they, everybody knows that, that, you know, dad, grandpa, uh, whatever uncle was a hero. And uh, that's all these survivor families want. They don't want, they they don't want their stories to get forgotten. So super rewarding. And so important. Yeah. So what is your vision from here? Where does the show go? What are you, what do you see? I don't know. I, you know, so when I started this, my initial idea in November was I'm going to, I have some extra time in the studio because things are slow. I, I'm like, well, we have 34 fallen officers in my district. So in Southeast Minnesota, we have 34 fallen that are recognized each year. And I thought, well, I'll do, I'd like to do our fallen officers. And then I started doing some other officers in throughout the state. And then I, I did an officer for um, Omaha PD. And then I've got one coming up from Wisconsin and I've got another one coming up from Arizona and it kind of, kind of blew up from there. So, uh, I, I, I don't know where it's going to go. I, I would like to keep doing them. There's certainly enough stories out there. I could, I could do this full time and I'd be super, super happy. I would love, this would be a great retirement for me, a retirement really? gig for me where I could still be, I could still help, you know, with the survivor families and, and still have a, a positive impact on law enforcement. Um, so I'd love to continue to do them as long as I can. Good. Yeah. Well, they, like I said, they're absolutely fantastic, Scott. Thank um, you. One kind of uh, one of the last couple final questions I had for you. Um, and I asked early on, if you had seen yourself going, you know, eventually becoming the sheriff and so forth of a uh, County that you're in. And the reason I kind of wanted to weave that together with this when we talk from a leadership perspective, because now, uh, obviously, you're the highest ranking uh, member yep. of the department there. And then we have these type stories and so forth. How do you see that role of leadership when it comes to um, helping the officers with mental health in kind of the general sense of what we're dealing with and seeing out there on a daily basis, as well as when these kind of tragedies impact us? So when I, I wasn't supposed to be the one to run for sheriff. I, um, we had a, a captain, one of my best friends at work. Um, his story will, will come up in 20. I probably won't be able to do it until 2013. He died or 2023. He died in 2013. He's a line of duty death here, but he's a cumulative stress, uh, heart attack. Uh, he was 43. Wow. And, um, he was the one that was going to run. And, uh, you know, the, the issues that we were having here was uh, an administration that was um, that that he didn't agree with anything they were doing. They were discipline based. They micromanaged. Um, they, it, it, it was an old school way of, uh, of of doing law enforcement. And, um, you know, for the for the officers that that didn't support that administration, they would go after them. 
And so Loring is captain. He was, you know, the number, number three in, in charge. He felt like he had to protect his staff. He felt like he had to protect his, his patrol records dispatch. He was the buffer. So he was always trying to protect everybody from admin. And uh, the job is stressful enough the way it is without having to put that kind of stress on people. And he, and he, it killed him, frankly. And um, so I ended up running. Um, nobody else wanted to. And uh, for me, what happened with Loring really highlighted the importance of our job is stressful enough the way it is. You know, you, you, uh, a normal average everyday person has one, maybe two, maybe three major crises in their whole entire life. And as officers, as deputies, as state troopers, we deal with those crises every day, sometimes several a day. Um, and that, and that wears on you, that changes you. You can't unsee stuff. And um, we, in the old school way of thinking when I started was you suck it up, you know, you, it's just, it's part of cop work. You don't talk about it. You don't talk about cases. You don't, you know, it's, it is what it is. If you can't handle it, go do something else. That was the attitude. Um, and we can't do that anymore. We, we have to create, we have to make sure we create an environment. Number one, as, as, as administrators or CLEOs, chief law enforcement officers, it's our responsibility to make sure that our staff has the, there's the supervision, the training, the equipment, and the support that they need to do the best job that they can do and, and to be the best cop that they can be, because that's what our communities expect. And we can't do that if we create even more stress within that culture. So we have to establish and create a culture where it's okay not to be okay. Our cops need to know that if you got a case that's bugging you, you got to talk about it. And we got people you can talk to. And it's not, and it's not, it's not big brother looking at you saying, okay, we better pull his badge and his gun for a while. Cause he's not right. Um, you're not right. If it's with, with a lot of these cases we deal with, you're not right. If it's not bugging. Yeah. Frankly. So what we've done here since I was elected, we, we, we started a chaplain program. Okay. First one, first one ever in our County. Um, first organized one in our district. We have 12 chaplains now. Um, they do ride alongs with our, our, our staff. Um, We've had so many positive comments from, from law enforcement, from the other PDs in our county, from, uh, from ambulance services, fire departments. Um, just that, that extra level of support um, and, and, and somebody to talk to. You know, they're not, prostitu- they're, not, they're not preaching. They're just there to help you, you know. And um, so that was our first step. And then, and then we started a peer support program. Uh, that started last year, the year before, maybe the year before. Um, and with that peer support program, we have, uh, people within every department within our agency that are trained to, you know, we're not counselors, we're not, we're, but, but we're trained to be able to talk to and to be there for these guys and gals when they need somebody to talk to and their, that communication because of how it was formatted here and because of the training that we did with the state, that communication is protected by HIPAA. Okay. So we can't share that with admin. Um, so it's, it's, you know, you're there to support these guys and um, because the best cop is one the for me, they're, they're not going to handle things in the public, right? If their head's not right. You're absolutely right. And um, 
you know, we had an incident the other night where it was a just a horrible, horrible traffic crash. And uh, um, it it bugs some of our deputies. And, um, you know, we've got the chaplains, we've got the peer support program. We do a, a diffusing right after the incident with all the staff. We do a, brief, a debriefing after uh, no more than two sleep cycles. Okay. Um, just to make sure that everybody's okay. And uh, um, it's okay not to be okay. Yep. And I think as, uh, as admin, you know, it's so easy to get so worked up with the budget, so worked up with your county boards or your city councils. Um, all the, our, not only do our cops now dealing with just the crises that they deal with every day on the road, um, but they've also got the anti-law enforcement narrative. They've got the civil unrest. They've got all the 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 suggestion of systemic racism and systemic use of force issues nationwide throughout law enforcement, which there's no data to support any of that. Um, but so they've got those stressors that they're hearing every day. It's noise, 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 noise. You hear it on the radio, you hear it on podcasts, you hear it on, on, the, on the television, you hear it on the news, on the national news. And it's not just the cops that are dealing with that. It's their families. It's their spouses. It's their kids. It's their parents. Um, so the, one of the other things that we started doing here uh, just this year is we have a, 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 a law enforcement counseling group that we contract with who meets with new hires and their spouses. Oh, that's good. So their spouses understand, especially those that are completely new into this uh, career field. So they understand what to expect, you know, and, um, you know, at that point, that's all we can do is just to provide, to provide that, you know, that, that uh, it's a, we have to change the culture. We have to because the old culture doesn't work, and and um, we're we're it's already it's already hard enough to get anybody to apply anymore, with all the garbage going on nationwide. Um, you know we got to take care of our people because the the people who are willing to take still who, the people who are still willing to take on this calling are are saints. Okay. With everything else, with everything that's going on, because you don't get rich doing it. You and I know that. <laughs> Lord knows that. Yes. You know, you, you in Minnesota, you have to have a college degree too to be a cop. You can't just go to an academy. They so want it. I have a college degree. They want one. They do. Okay, good. So in Minnesota, you have to have a college degree to be post certified. You have to do post training. You got to do your uh, twelve weeks, at least twelve weeks of FTO with your agency, and then you're on on probation for three hundred and sixty five days after that. Yeah. All for us. All with a salary that requires you to work part time. Or take on as many overtime hours as you can just to feed your kids. Yeah. You know, so we got to take care of these people. They're heroes. And um, the podcast is just another way to show that and, you know, to support them and support the families who have lost heroes. And so I don't know, as you can tell, I might be a little bit passionate about it. I kind of go off on tangents. So I apologize. Not at all. And I love it. And I couldn't agree with you more with everything you said. And I love the initiatives that you guys are doing. And um, one, I, I've been very blessed as well to be in a county that has many of these initiatives and have a lot of very passionate um, people in my administration as well. So I've been very fortunate in my awesome. career as well. Yep. Awesome. So, you know, that, um, well, I really appreciate you coming on. I really appreciate yeah. you talking to me. Let me ask you one final question. I kind of ask everyone this question. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Question I just asked you was broader. Now I'm going to kind of narrow it down. So what, if we're going to boil down to something actionable, what is the one takeaway, the one thing that law enforcement officers can do that will make a difference in their personal lives? Think 
they, and we tell this to our, our, our folks, um, you have to have a life outside of law enforcement. You can't be, you can't be married to this job. You can't be married to it because it'll eat you up. Um, you know, I, and I did it. I, I'm, I'm guilty of it. I, you know, I, I have, I, I've, I've reconnected with a lot of them now, but for the longest time, I pushed away a lot of my lifelong friends from, from high school and from college. Um, because I was a cop, they weren't, they didn't understand me, right. you know, and, um, and I was married to the job. I was, I was all in, I was all cop. And uh, for a while it was great. Um, but then it's like, you, then you realize, well, what are we, wait, wait, what am I missing here? And um, the, the most successful uh, cops that we have in our agency um, and those that are close to retirement that are just doing fabulous and have great families and great marriages are the ones that had, they maintained a personal life. Right. You know, they weren't always, it's, and it's hard. We all know it's hard to turn it off. I mean, I don't, I don't, I never put my back to the door in a restaurant. My wife already, she knows that she's like, Oh, I can't sit there. I'm like, you're right. Um, you know, you, you don't turn it, especially when you live in the community that you work in, right. you can't turn it off. Yeah. Um, but you can still maintain a personal life and still maintain a life outside of law enforcement. And cause you gotta, you gotta have a balance. If you don't have a balance. If it's out of whack one way or the other, um, you know, it's not going to work in this career. will eat you up. It will eat you up if you don't, uh, you don't figure out a way to manage it so absolutely correct yeah so well sir thank you so much for coming on thank Uh, you what is the best way people can uh contact you i'm going to direct them to the officer down memorial podcast but is there any other uh place that they should find you okay so the website is officer down memorial podcast.com you can you can email me on there all the so if you're like me and didn't know anything about podcasts you can go right on there and you can download them from there if you're an avid podcast listener and you have a favorite app, um, the Officer Down Memorial Podcast is on every major platform. Um, so all you have to do is search Officer Down Memorial Podcast and you'll find it. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Um, I answer right away. I'm the only one that answers all of them. Um, and uh, I love hearing from people. I love hearing you know suggestions on on stories or or stories about fallen officers because I I'll do a story from anywhere. Um, the only thing I caution, and I've had some people that have, have emailed me about recent fallen officers and you got to give the survivor family a time to time enough to grieve, right? That story has got to be to a point and it's got to be far enough enough back to the point where that survivor family is ready to tell the story and where it's, where, where they're to a point where it will benefit them and not re-victimize them. Um, so the Sean Schneider story, that's the most recent one I've done is 2010. And I'll link. That went up separately as well. So yeah, everyone can a, go directly to that. He was an incredible guy. And um, that was a, that was a tough one for me to listen to. It was a tough one for me to do because I listened to all that on my radio, on my portable. Oh, wow. Because I was in investigations at the time and, and did stuff with the task force. And my partner and I, we sat in our offices and listened to it. And uh, it was awful. Yeah. And because we knew everybody or not everybody, but we knew many of the people, especially the task force people that were there. And um well, that one took me back. Unfortunately, uh, I mean, they are so well done. And I know we mentioned this earlier, but they're so well done. It really takes you to that moment. And it, you'll also flash back to other scenes that you've been on. It's really you do. You absolutely do. Um, yeah. So, you know, you got to make sure you're in a good place. You know, make sure you got the time to sit down and listen to the whole podcast. Because uh, once you start, once you start one of the podcasts, you're not going to want to stop. You're going to want to listen through. 
Yeah. Um, and, and you're going to shed a tear or two. Um, every, every story has got something in there that just, even if you're not a cop, every story in there has got something that just hits you. Um, but it's real, it's real and it's raw. And, and, uh, you know, that's, that's law enforcement. That's what that's, these are amazing people. And we just can never let that, that narrative can never end. You know, um, we got to push all the noise aside and make sure we remind people to how, how great of men and women we have that, that serve our communities. So I couldn't say it better myself, sir. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It it was a pleasure. I appreciate your support. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. I enjoyed sitting down with Scott. It was such a pleasure. So more about who we are, more about what we're doing on the blue line.com. Be sure to check it out on thebluelinecom You can check us out on social media on the Blue Line Podcast, or you can go to almost any social media platform and go to Wing Mulder and uh, follow, like, share, and there will be more content and some big changes coming in the next month. So I hope everyone has a wonderful day. I hope everyone has a wonderful week. I will see you back here next week. But in the meantime, I'll see you on the Blue Line. It was so much fun being on the show. Thank you to Wayne Mulder and On the Blue Line for supporting the Officer Down Memorial podcast. You can check out more of his episodes on his website at onthebluelinecom or search for On the Blue Line anywhere you listen to podcasts. Hey, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. You can also subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast apps or subscribe by email on our website at www.officerdownmemorialpodcast.com. Until next time, thanks everyone for listening. I'm Sheriff Scott Rose. This is the Officer Down Memorial Podcast. A Huda Media Production.